Thanks, Pete, for doing the reading. It's good to see you. And welcome all of you to my living room, where I stayed up late, late, late last night thinking about this gospel and all saints, people that I know who have died, and and one very special someone who might actually be a departed saint by the time that you hear this. Uh, and here are some of my thoughts. All Saints Day has an equivalent in Hispanic culture called the Day of the Dead, also November 1st. And until this past Monday, all I really knew about the Day of the Dead was from the movie Coco, which is like this sweet kids movie based on Day of the Dead festivities. Um, but last weekend, Molly, the same Molly who's been singing so beautifully throughout this service, she mentioned that someone had put up a communal ofrenda in their front yard in the neighborhood just south of us. And an ofrenda is like an altar in honor of those who have died for the Day of the Dead. And, and she said it was really worth seeing. So every Monday night, I play in an ultimate Frisbee league. So um, in Wabatosa. So I was driving home after a Frisbee um, late Monday and I decided to stop by the ofrenda and, and check it out. And whew, I am so glad that I did. Here's what it looks like. Um, a tent strung with rows and rows of lights and, and bright yellow flowers, candles everywhere, icons, crosses, flags, art, vases with more flowers, and, and, and photos, um, photos of people who have died. They put out a basket of binder clips and some packing tape so you could bring a photo and, and waterproof it with the tape and, and add it to the ofrenda. And word has spread so there are hundreds of photos up there, and um, look at all of them. It, it's such a beautiful hodgepodge of humanity, right? These people are from all different decades, clearly, different ages, different cultures. Visitors have added offerings to the ofrenda, like flowers and, and cards, and there was a big stack of homemade tortillas. Um, and, and the whole effect was so beautiful. Um, standing there, I was just, I, I felt this overwhelming need to do something, to, to add something like to place a, a flower or make an offering. Um, but I was just, I was in my Frisbee gear. I, um, I had nothing to offer. So I, I haven't yet had anyone really close to me die. The closest is maybe my friend Kelly Donovan. She was an old Ultimate Frisbee teammate in Madison and she had an undiagnosed heart condition no one knew about, so when she was 30, she just collapsed one day on the field while she was coaching. And and when she died, it had been a couple years since we'd seen her, um, but she, and she was such like, she was such an out there, alive person that, that it was really hard to like even wrap my head around the idea of her being gone. Um, so after she died, I was I was almost looking forward to the funeral you know, thinking it would like maybe help it sink in for me and, and we could honor her. Um, I will never forget the gathering we had for her, not because of anything that happened, but because of everything that didn't happen. Kelly's family was not religious, not part of any church community, which is, you know, totally fine. She wasn't either, but um, so they had this celebration of life at a senior center or something, just, just a big room. Um, and and they did have photo boards out of her and food, but, but there was no service, no structure, no ritual. No one even really spoke. And, and after some just mingling time, her father did stand up. And, and I kind of thought, okay, now we're going to begin. 
but he just thanked us all for coming and said, if, you know, he started to say, if anyone has stories they want to share, and I was like, yes, finally, let's share some stories. Um, then he kind of fumbled and, and was like, well, you know, maybe maybe share them at, at your table or write them down for us. And, and then he sat down and that was it. And I don't mean to, I mean, his child had just died. I, I can't even imagine. Um, I don't. I don't mean to judge them. Maybe, maybe that was all they could manage, right? Um, but it was such a powerful lesson for me on the importance of of ritual and and liturgy and funerals. Like, not everyone needs to be Christian or even believe in God, but but I think we have this universal human need um, when something like this happens to to make meaning um, and mark milestones and, and do something to honor the loss. And actually, even as I say this, my, my last remaining grandmother is dying. She started hospice about a week ago, kind of turned the corner yesterday. And there's a very real chance that she will have died by the final time I preach this sermon. So like, of course God would have me reading this gospel and, and lighting candles and writing prayers for All Saints Day while, while all of this is happening in my family, right? It's been, it's been a hard week, but also, you know, also kind of perfect um, and, and poignant and good for my soul to be doing this this week. Her name is Elaine. She's 94. The girls and I just visited her to celebrate her 94th birthday last month. Um, she lives in Florida. She's Jewish from Long Island. They were part of that mass exodus from New York several decades ago. And and probably some of you have heard me talk about her before because she's, she's like a total character. So she's wormed her way in, into several sermons over the years. She's, she's very social, very outspoken. Oh, she once flashed the whole family during the Thanksgiving football game because she was trying to distract the opposing team, which worked very well, by the way. A huge Mets fan and one of the New York baseball teams shares a birthday with Mike Piazza, their star catcher from the 2000s. I'll always remember going with her to Mets spring training one year. She made Mike Piazza shake her baby finger through the chain link fence, like yelled at him about their shared birthday until he came over. This, this huge guy and this tiny old lady shaking fingers through the fence. And she was never thrilled that I became a pastor. Jewish grandkids are supposed to do one of three things. They're supposed to be doctors, lawyers, or teachers. Um, but for someone with such strong opinions, she's always been kind of amazingly open-minded. Uh, so, you know, when her daughter came out in the 80s, she marched with her in the Pride Parade. When her baby, my dad, decided to go off and join the Peace Corps in West Africa, she traveled there and showed up with a bag full of pizza and baked ziti. So, you know, Jewish granddaughter work at a church? Meh. She would ask me questions about it. Sometimes, like, she wanted to know what you guys call me. Um, she asked, like, what I wear? What do I wear when I'm up front? Mostly innocent stuff. But there was one time not that long ago where we were talking on her bed and kind of out of nowhere, she's like, looks me straight in the eye and she says, do you think I'm going to hell when I die? I wish, I wish I could say that I had like this 
wise, thoughtful answer and that we had a beautiful conversation or had insightful follow-up questions. But um, I think I just said, like, no, no, I don't believe that. What kind of God would do that? That's, that's not a God I believe in. And that was that. What does happen when we die? Where do we go? Um, will we have a body? What age will we be? What version of ourselves will we be? What will be the same about us? What will be different? Will we be reunited with the people we love? What will that be like? It's kind of amazing, isn't it? The stories in our gospel are from 2,000 years ago, and they're wrestling with like all the exact same questions we still wrestle with right now. When the Sadducees pose this kind of riddle to Jesus, they're talking about what was called Leverite marriage. Um, and that was a law designed to provide economic protection to women in, in this world where they had no income. So, you know, if their husband dies and, and they have no children to provide for them, then the husband's brother um, is supposed to marry her and, and provide for her. So, the Sadducees say, if someone had seven husbands on earth, which is their husband in heaven? In other words, like, if this resurrection thing is real, how exactly does it work? And the Sadducees, like, they get a bad rap for this passage, like as if they're trying to trick Jesus or trap him or something. But I think it's a fair question, don't you? Like, I wouldn't mind a few more specifics as well about this resurrection business. And, and this is what Jewish rabbis did. They would sit around and test each other and debate points of Torah of Jewish scriptures before an audience and kind of challenge each other back and forth. And, and it wasn't considered disrespectful. It, kind of the opposite. It was a sign of respect to engage with each other and, and push each other. And, and there was always much respect for well-thought-out reasoning, even if it differed from your own. So that's what Jesus does. He kind of shoots Torah back at them. And in his answer, he refers to Moses and the burning bush and then draws inferences from the words, which is, and that's midrash. That's like the classic method of rabbinical scholarship. So I'm certainly no Torah scholar. And, and I've never experienced yet the death of close loved ones that, that so many of you have gone through. Um, but I have gotten to spend a fair bit of time with people who are dying and their families and it's like maybe the most sacred most precious part of of the work that we do and and I have learned a couple things along the way and here's what I've learned um I've learned that every death is different but there are some patterns to it some rhythms to it if given the opportunity people tend to die like they lived um they do sometimes seem to have some control over the moment of death and, and people seem to be haunted much more by things that they didn't do than by things they did do. And I can tell you what makes a good death, support, some control, a good sense of humor, or, or maybe more like a full, full range of emotions, faith in some sort of bigger story, and, and some sense that the one who is dying is, is somehow like still themselves through it all. I can tell you what makes a good funeral, it's actually mostly all of those same things. Support, a full range of emotions, faith in a bigger story, and some, some sense uh, of capturing the one who died and who they were. But here's what I can tell you about what happens when we die. Nothing. 
2,000 years and really way more than that of theologizing and philosophizing and research of near-death experiences. And we have no idea, right? We have no idea. All we have is faith. For those of us who follow the way of Jesus, we believe there is more than this life, but we don't know for sure. We believe it's good, but we don't know for sure. We believe that we return to the God from whom we came, that there's wholeness and healing and completion and and perfect connection and perfect peace. But we don't really know if that is true or if it's true how it works or what it looks like or, or anything like that. We just don't know. And in this passage, it doesn't it almost sound like Jesus is telling us like, Yes, it's a mystery and it's meant to be a mystery. Don't dwell too much on the specifics. Just trust that the dead live on so that you can find the strength to keep living yourself. It's like we're meant not to know, which, if you think about it, makes dying the ultimate act of faith. In Judaism, when someone dies, the phrase, the phrase that people say is zikrona libraka, may their memory be a blessing. It's kind of like our rest in peace. Whenever my grandmother dies, her memory will be a blessing to me. She's part of me. She always will be. Think of those candles on the altar. He is not a God of the dead, but of the living to God, in God, all of them are alive. We bear God's image when, whether it's through candles on the altar or communal ofrendas or the delicious matzo ball soup that I made last night, we too keep them alive in us. So when I was walking away from that ofrenda Monday night, walking back to my car, I happened to catch a glimpse of my shadow in the road, and here's what it looked like. Do you see that above my head? You will never guess what it is. I literally laughed out loud in the street when I realized. So last Monday was Halloween, so we all had worn costumes to Frisbee that night. I had worn a full-body cow suit with a halo headband. I was a holy cow, get it? Um, and, and I had taken off the cow suit, but not the headband. And I had totally forgotten that I still had it on my head. So the whole time that I was walking around looking at all those pictures of the departed souls, now angels themselves, with a halo on my head. This day is for our 21 saints who died this year, but it's even also more for you and for me. There's a reason it's not called Some Saints Weekend, right? May their memories be a blessing to us. And may others say the same thing of us when one day we take the ultimate leap of faith into whatever life awaits us after this one. Amen.